in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the Cranberry fan, Glenn Stansberry. What? Cranberry fan? You're a big fan of the cranberry sauce. Oh, 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 oh. I thought you meant like... And the band. I was going to say the band. Zombie! Zombie! No? Yeah, I don't, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you a fan of the cranberries? Um, the band? The band or the sauce? The band. Um... Let's see the band. They had one song that was like, uh, not zombie, because that was terrible, but um, it was like uh, Dreams. Dreams? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. That was a good strength. Yeah. And there's like maybe one more that I was yeah. kind of into. Um, but they, they had a weird lead singer. Yes. I don't know if you ever saw any like, um, video of them playing live, uh-uh. but it was very strange how she approached the live music situation. <laughs> how was that? Kind of like stalked the stage. And oh, she was a tiny little, proud? tiny little lady, and she like kind of stomped around the stage, and it was very, it was almost um, slightly uncomfortable. Huh. Well, I found their music kind of slightly uncomfortable for the most part. So. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I wasn't a big fan. Uh, yeah. Me neither. Um, James is good though. Yeah, that's a that's a solid song. Mm. Um, yes, I do. But but the other cranberry we're talking about. Okay, to put a little um, context to this on in the gentleman parlor, um, it was brought up uh, about cranberry sauce. It's right around Thanksgiving, right. cranberry sauce, and uh-huh. and I, actually, I don't even remember what what we were what the. I don't remember how it came up, but basically, Brian, it came out that I'm a big fan of cranberry sauce. Right. And you aren't? I just don't understand the purpose of it, basically. Whoa. Have, okay, wait, hang on. Let's just let's just nip this in the bud right now. Have you had turkey with cranberry sauce on it? I tried that last year because you we brought this up on the podcast last year. <sighs> and you urged me to try it, and I did. I slathered my turkey yes. in... Sweet, yes, slightly bitter cranberry sauce. Yeah. Wait, wait, what? And I was not. I didn't understand. It's like, uh, look, I, I, I can't. You can lead a horse to water. I guess I can't. I, I can't. I mean, that's all you can do. I didn't get it. If it, if it, if you don't understand it, I, I, I can't help you. I, you know. Sometimes I don't I don't understand modern art, Glenn. So maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm like maybe an exhibit. You're like Picasso yeah. with your yep. Thanksgiving meals, and yep. I am a complete. I'm one of those, I'm one of those fuddy duddies. It's like this isn't art, and you're looking at a Jackson Pollock. You know what I mean? I, and, granted, I, I would still argue that that's still not artwork. Well, but. A lot of people True. tend to think it is. Yeah. And anyway. Well, speaking of being artwork, Glenn, <laughs> we are co-creators of a piece of art. That's right. A piece of modern art. An award-winning piece of modern art. That's right. Uh, a living, award-winning piece of modern art. It's a living exhibit. Called Gentleman.com. Mm-hmm. This, uh, tr- this, is, this is a site that um, they should just take a laptop. Mm-hmm. 
and take it to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yep. And just take the entire room, mm-hmm. um, just on a pedestal, laptop. Yeah. And point it to gentleman.com. Try it. Installation for the next 10 years. And people are enthralled. People are amazed. People come from the world around to, to go to the laptop to see <laughs> gentleman.com. Because it changes all the time. It's very, um, it's very, it, it, you see what you want to see That's in it. That's right. When you go to it. And That's it, right. You could, you could go to that exhibit mm-hmm. tomorrow and then like two years from now and it's mm-hmm. going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be way, it's, it's going to be insanely different. So I would say just basically gut the Metropolitan Museum of Art yeah. and put one pedestal and a big laptop, you know, one of those Dell numbers that has like, like, a, like a 30 inch laptop. <laughs> and uh, just stick that on gentleman.com. And, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody knows the curators out there, but I'm just, just well, I'm I, spitballing here. I'm thinking also, Brian, that they would save a lot of money yeah. by shaving off a bunch of real estate on their building. <laughs> you don't have to, uh, yeah, you don't need much real estate to put a installation mm-hmm. in that's one room and one laptop. That's right. Now, maybe if it's for overflow. I've been to Yoko Ono's installation, and yep. there were like several rooms and lots of exhibits. Really? And we could fit all of our exhibit into one like two by two foot pedestal area. Did you go to the Yoko Ono exhibit where you cut off pieces of her clothing while she no, stood I, there? <laughs> she doesn't do that one anymore. Um, I think she retired that one at age 50 or something. One time like only. Uh, no, I went to the. This was a. Uh, I seriously did go see Yoko Ono's yeah. exhibit. At the Metropolitan Museum of uh, Modern Art, and uh, I, uh, it was it, it was a big installation, lots yeah. of different exhibits, mm-hmm. um, very interesting, very different. Yeah, very different. That's what I would have probably characterized it. <sighs> um, but uh, but anyway, Glenn, well, we're getting off topic. Here. Yeah, we gotta stick to we gotta stick here. to the uh, subject, which is uh, gentleman dot com. Gentleman dot com. If you go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, you got to stand in line, you got to pay a bunch of money, you got then you get to go in inside. But we're offering this stuff for free. We're, we're putting this out, you know, for free. You you don't even have to get a stand in line, get an ID card, nothing like that. All you have to do is point your browser over to a little site called gentleman.com, and you can witness uh, modern uh, art mm. uh, firsthand. Yes, for absolutely free. Yes. Um, and uh, you can take that art a step further. Maybe you're a connoisseur of art. Mm. And uh, the, what the connoisseurs do mm-hmm. is they head over to podcast.gentleman.com. Oh, do they? Where you could listen to previous episodes of the podcast where we discuss the art that we create. <laughs> uh, as well as all the links from all the episodes that we're talking about. Now. So I, if there's a link that we talk about on the episode, you can find it on podcast.gentleman.com by... Yes. Uh, by the magic of hypertext links yes um and also we should mention that we later in the episode we're going to do a question from the gentleman mailbag and what we like to do is we like to get questions from people that listen to the podcast and uh typically the way that we the format that we like to receive these things Mm. um is in a physical letter that you handwrite and send over to us um, with whatever medium that you feel comfortable with working as an artist. Charcoal. Right. Watercolor. Uh, you know, bearskin. Bearskin bear would be... Yeah. That would be great to pick up from the old Maybe P.O. box. Like bison hoof or something. <laughs> um, that's illegal. I So, <laughs> the... <laughs> 
But what the, the, the point is, you can send something over to us, uh, whatever that is, uh, to P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. We will get your letter. We will take it. We will read it. We will put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. We will talk about it on the podcast. We will answer your question. Uh, and you will live on in infamy on the Hall slash Wall of Fame for sending us something. And we'll send you a little something in return. Uh, if you if you cannot find a bison hoof to uh, to to grab and then turn into paper, which I understand because that's a process, right. it takes a while. I've mm-hmm. done it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Look, I get it. Uh, then a good option might be to send us an email. Howdyatgentleman.com. That's our email address. Uh, you can also visit Plurk. Um, <laughs> Farmers only, um, hotornot.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chidio is a new one that we're actually on now. Chidio. 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 Okay. Chidio. Uh, which I don't know if you're familiar with. No, that, I'm, I'm not. I, I still trying to figure out how you're saying it. Uh, gentlemen, uh, this Laura keeps reminding me that we're on Chidio now. Okay. Um, and it's what it is is a a combination of charity and video. And so, like what, chitty chitty bang bang. What, what happens is, uh, you know, people like us go on there and we create accounts, and then it's it's all involved with charity, and it's a charity thing, and and so anyway. So it's videos only for charities. Ch- Chidio. Chidio. To you. I've seen several commercials for it, so I, I had to go uh, check it out. And uh, so, along with all of our other accounts, we've you know we've got this Chidio thing going on. Now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Glenn, and then there, of course you know there's a uh, right uh, Ashley Madison, Ashley Madison, <laughs> Ashley Madison. Well, oh no, not that. That's, not that's, uh, that, that's not the one. That's the... Uh, Facebook is what you were talking. Oh, about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook the other... and then uh, Instagram. Right. Facebook's like Ashley Madison for friends, right? Yes, isn't that how that works? Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. and MySpace, most importantly. Um, so anyway, <laughs> visit all those things, come and talk to us, send us messages, all that stuff. You can do all those things and we'll respond somehow, depending <laughs> on the medium and all that stuff. <clears throat> uh, anyway, Glenn, uh, let's move on with the episode because oh. we, we spent way too long talking about art and how to, I mean, I, you start talking to me about art. I just, yeah, cranberries <laughs> and the whole thing. It's just very distracting. Uh, but uh, Glenn, it's time to talk about the drinks of the week. The drinks of the week. Uh, and we decided that it's Thanksgiving uh, and for the rest of the episodes, for the rest of the time, we're going to have to have two drinks. That's right. Every time. <laughs> no, uh, that's not true. Uh, Glenn, a couple episodes ago, uh, episode 100 yep. uh, brought over a beer and we tried it and it was absolutely terrible that's what I brewed I brewed a stout that yeah. Ryan spit out it, yes it, it, that's, and that's the name it was uh, the Glendolf uh, sp- uh, stout Upchuck. that I spit out <laughs> <laughs> Glendolf Upchuck yeah uh, so um, but anyway Glenn so uh, he brewed up another one that he's wanting me to try and give just a quick little rating we're not going to make a big deal out of this it's just I'm going to put my own rating I'm never going to run it through the MTS it's not look we're going to taxi MTS with two beers again it got overloaded last time yeah it started smoking so what this is Brian is this is a um, I actually brewed this for my wife because she likes IPAs but when I was picking it out it said that it was a, a very malty IPA. Mm, okay. So um, sounds good. I like now malts. I'm a maltster. Well, hang on to your hats because like there's Samuel Adams. That's right. There's there's 77 IBUs here. 77. That's that's what it says. It's the average. Uh, now because this is homebrew, things are kind of in flux. I personally don't think so. It could be anywhere from three to 150 IBUs. I, I would say plus or minus five. Okay, M- maybe ten. Okay. But the point the point is is that Brian the potential alcohol is around seven percent, um, which I think is a little high. I think that's probably closer to six or six and a half. 
Uh, I have no way of knowing. Hmm. Apparently, you can take readings and do scientific measurements on the beer that you brew. When, when's the last time we did any scientific measurements? That's right. Well, except for the MTS. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I just, wanna, I just wanted to brew it. So, anyway... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's supposed to be uh, using these these hops called El Dorado, which are kind Eldorado. of new and mm-hmm. yeah. Why don't you come to your senses? Yeah. Um, so uh, it should be tropical fruit flavors with the aromas of pear, watermelon, and stone fruit. Okay. Uh, so this is an IPA. We okay. don't do many of these. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it like I see it, not based on the fact that you know I do or do not like IPAs based on the fact that you know what kind of beers is you're the consummate professional Brian exactly yeah I, I'm gonna keep it uh, professional and above board just don't spit it just don't spit it across the floor like well the stout that I spit out was <laughs> I, I didn't spit I actually finished that no you didn't yeah I did. you drank the whole thing for the most part I'm, yeah <laughs> well, when you I didn't drink the whole thing yeah <laughs> alright alright here we go That's pretty good. It's pretty good. This is way better than the one yeah. that we did last time. Yeah. It's kind of... It's weird. Because it doesn't really taste like an IPA. It tastes like a pale ale, but with a lot of malts. Okay, so I, I had a... I was... No, this is good. I, I, I had a taste in my mouth from something else I was drinking. Okay. So. This is this is, this is is actually pretty good. I like this one, actually. Yeah, um, I, I kind of like it, too. Just... Yeah. Like, for an IPA... This is what I would drink in an IPA, which yeah. would be like a not soup. I mean, there might be seventy in here. I doubt it. I it did, seems I don't like it's think like so. It seems like it's around 50s. fifty. Yeah, that sounds. That, it seems like more of a fifty kind of thing. And it's a very. Um, so it's good. It's like a stouty, it's real malty. Yeah, real stouty malty kind of. There's still some kind of like. Yeah. So this is this is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I feel I feel good about this one. So Lynn, Lynn actually, my wife actually likes the stout, right? Which I I can't do. And Wait, you like the IPA? I like the IPA. So it's it's weird. So she, so we just kind of. So she liked the stout that you did. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Full disclosure. She must really love you, man. She she's a good woman. <laughs> she is a good woman. No, she. So the beer. What I should have done, we should have t- we should have tested it like tonight, because the beer actually has had a, the stout has had a lot more time to um, kind of age and kind of. It's Do not you still sweet. have more of them. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> have you tasted them? I have. They're they're better. Are they better now? They're better, I know but not. Time really does. Time, yeah. Time, uh, you know they say in my uh, elements of pizza book. Yes. He says time is an ingredient. Exactly. So it's a huge ingredient. Yeah. So. Um, it's better. It's still not great, though. Okay. So I was very disappointed, but I was very happy with how that turned out. Uh, how long has this one been around? Same time? Uh, Did you no. make them at the same time? It okay. took a lot longer. Okay. To brew, it, the process takes longer with IPAs like this. Like, you put in a ton of hops, and it's, yeah. This, yeah, this is, this is pretty good. This is, this is a, uh, Glenn Stansbury original, so no one can get a hold of this thing. This is a <laughs> limited run. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And so, uh, well, anyway, let's, let's cut to the chase. I, I would give this an 8.6. What? I'd give it an 8.6. Seriously? Yeah. I, I think it's pretty good. I would take this... For an IPA. Good, yeah. Or just whatever. I mean, I, I think it's good, you know, if I was at a party and you gave me one of these, I'd be like, this is a pretty good beer. Yeah. You know? Okay. I don't care who wow. brewed it. You know? Whoa. So. Totally redeem myself. This is, this is like a... This doesn't taste like Mr. Beer. No. 
The one that I told Glenn last time, the one that he gave me tasted, it reminded me of my brewing days. Mm-hmm. But my brewing days were a little plastic container I picked up on the end cap at Target called Mr. Beer. That's right. Uh, and uh, that was some. Those are some halcyon days of uh, <laughs> of brewing. But uh, anyway, as fond of my memories are, I still can't uh, erase the memory of how that beer tasted. Yeah. And uh, it was not very good, and Glenn's took me right back there. Oh, this, yeah. Memories. This does not. This 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 is, uh, uh, of itself, a very good beer. And I, I, I would, I, I'd give it an 8.6. Uh, you, you'd probably get some more of those if you wanted them. I know a guy. All right. That's um, good. I like that. I like it a lot, actually. That's all right. So, well, I like the, the malt and the, the IPA. It's just the right amount of IPA where yeah. I'm not... You know, see, Lynn doesn't like it because she doesn't think it tastes like an IPA. Yeah, right. She it's like a it little doesn't bit too have the bite. Yeah, it's not it's not hoppy enough for her. So um, I like it. I think it's good. So okay, beer number two. I thought, you know, we would just because we get, you know, Brian, if you if you go out into the social media, mm-hmm. um, which I get, frequently do, right? We get hammered pretty hard. For only trying certain types of beer, we we okay we, yeah we we, 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 are, our, we have a filter bubble. That's right. Up. That's right. We we don't we don't want to we don't want any outside influences bearing down on us. But every now and again, we step into the uh, dark web, and yes. um, people say things like, "Why don't you review any IPAs?" Okay. Why don't Just you did. review any infused beers? Why don't you review okay. any uh, you Weird know tonight? Yeah. You know. Weird stuff. So, well, and we definitely uh, bow down to any um, you know right. criticism right. that we receive. Right. Um, so, th- and that's what this. We definitely do negotiate with terrorists. Is what we're saying. Right. And we're yeah. doing it right now. Exactly. Um, so, I picked up. Um, I was also intrigued by this because New Belgium is a brewery that I hold in high esteem. Right. Uh, they yeah. have some great beers. Colorado Brewery. We talked about them several times on the podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, and they have partnered with Ben and Jerry's. To bring us the chocolate chip cookie dill ale, which, as a general rule of thumb, Brian, if it has, I don't even like coffee stouts very much. Like, you're hard pressed to find yeah. me a coffee stout that I like. Yeah, I like. I'm a, I'm a purist. Right. Um, so when you're telling me that there's chocolate chip cookie dough in my ale, I'm gonna. I'm. Seems like an odd combination. I'm looking sideways at it. But look, uh, two things about this. We'll try anything once. That's right. And uh, we're gonna save you, the listener. That's right. Uh, from going to the store, maybe spending eight nine dollars on this, which how much was it? Uh, it was eight eight uh, eight ninety nine. That's right. You, so you can save nine seventy with tax. Yes. yes. By listening to this podcast, That's right. you just made ten bucks. That's right. Congratulations. If if it's not good, if it's not good, if it and is if it good. is, you just spent ten bucks, but <laughs> you got yourself one hell of a beer. You knew what you were getting exactly. yourself into. Okay, well let's test this out, Glenn. Where your see crash test up? Yeah. All right. Hmm. I like to get a big swig at the first. It tastes like a <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. It does. It does. It tastes like a damn <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. How did they do that? <laughs> Is that good? Is that a good thing? That's what I can't figure out. I think it's I mean, good. I can I only have one. Good. Yeah. I could certainly. It's very sweet. I can only have six of these. Yeah, one six pack. Right. Um, it's really very sweet. sweet. It definitely tastes like a chocolate chip cookie dough. Like That's just, pretty impressive. It, it is impressive. 
This is like um, this is like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type yeah. stuff. <laughs> they must have some Oompa Loompas over in New Belgium or something. Wow, it's like fizzy lifting juice or something. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we are actually going to put this one through the MTS. Yeah, whether it likes it or not. Yep. Um. Wow. Ah, uh, I, I can't. I have no idea. This is very my hard. Sense it's like of, uncharted territory. Yeah. My my. I mean, okay. How so, many chocolate chip cookie hills have we had? I don't None. Think we haven't done any. So I will. Uh, okay. Uh, so it was eight ninety nine. Yes. Uh, how much alcohol? How much IBUs? Okay. So we have. Uh, it was like what seventeen IBUs? Twelve IBUs. Twelve IBUs. Six percent alcohol. Six percent. So pretty high. Yeah. Um. And then price was eight ninety nine. You said price was eight ninety nine. Yeah, eight ninety nine. Right? So it's just yeah. a little bit higher than slightly higher, but. Um, not crazy. All right. Well, I think I kind of like it. I kind of like it too. But like a dessert, like a cookie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like this is your last beer of the night. No, no. This, this is, is you just had a steak dinner, and uh, no, you just had a salad. No, you just had a ice cream, <laughs> and then you wanted to poured this over your ice cream. I don't know. Hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So for I guess a flavored beer, yeah, I, I, it's probably a pretty high quality flavored beer. I would say so. Yes. Um, so it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be in the eights. I would say mm-hmm. an, an eighty four okay. for what it is. I was at eight two. Okay. I was at you know, or sorry, eight point four. Eight point four. Yes. I was at eight point two. I felt like it was. You know, it's pretty good. I like it. It's pretty good. I can't. I can't get up to the higher eights uh-uh. over this thing. So it's anyway. high quality. Yeah, they did, right. they knew what they were doing when they did it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel I feel like it's pretty good, pretty middle of the road. Okay, Glenn. Well, it doesn't matter what we think. What really matters is what the mustache twist scale computer thinks. Mm-hmm. The MTS scale computer is a proprietary proprietary algorithmic computer that we developed uh, to rate beers uh, and give the world its first scientific empirical uh, scale. Right. And computer that rates beers. And uh, the MTS computer needs some facts to chunk on. That's right. Okay? So what we need to do is tell the MTS, which I'm typing in right now, that the price was $8.99. Uh, the alcohol was 6%. And yes. the IBUs were 12, right? Yes, 12 IBUs. Okay, and this is a Ben & Jerry's partnership with yeah. New Belgium. Okay, so I'm going to add that in there just in the metadata uh, okay. in the description. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we just have to give it a couple seconds, and then I will go get the printout, and then we'll know what the MTS computer uh, empirically rated this year as. So, just this. Maybe I could have two of these. I could have two or three, at least. Really, you like it. Okay, so the uh, the print off came off the uh, MTS computer. I'm just gonna flip ahead to the uh, the page mm. that this is on. This is this is uh, I said page. Usually it's in the 200s. It's gotta. There's the the last part of it is all just exposition, and you don't need the. Okay, here we go. Um, so actually the MTS computer came up with an 8.3. Whoa. All on right. The MTS scale. Interesting. So there you have it. M- uh, 8.3 on the MTS scale for the New Belgian, uh, chocolate chip cookie dough ale. 
So it is. It, it's a good beer. It's just. You just don't know what you're getting yourself into. Look, I trust the MTS implicitly. Yeah. So they, if they say 8.3, then that's what it is. You know, the artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a solid beer. It's a solid beer. Okay, so we've got 8.3 for the New Belgium. We got for the Glen Stansbury <laughs> uh, IPA, 8.6. So, wow. Glen Stansbury's the winner tonight. Wow. Uh, so, so we're doing now two beers head to head? Cage match? Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that was uh, that was an interesting uh, couple drinks of the week. Let's get into some interesting posts from Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right. Every podcast, we go over uh, stuff that the Gentleman community has posted That's right. to the site. And we, it is our task to cull it, to sift, and right. find appropriate things to talk about on the uh, podcast. Because sometimes inappropriate. And, and definitely inappropriate stuff as well. Uh, but on your keister, mm-hmm. a renowned... Gentleman member. Stalwart community member yes. at gentleman.com. He is the glue that holds the seams. That binds us together. The, that binds us together. Um, insightful dude. Yeah. And nothing shows us more than this tack, Brian. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's titled, Man Hacks Alexa into Singing Fish Robot Terror and Seuss from The Verge. So this is a Verge.com article. Great website. Very techie. Right. Uh, and the subtitle to this article, if you head on over there, it says, perhaps technology has gone too far. Right. So there's a developer named Brian Kane, and he hacked his Alexa to uh, speak through um, a wall-mounted, everyone's favorite icon, probably late 90s, early 2000s? It seems about right, late 90s. Late 90s. Yeah. Uh, big Mouth Billy Bass. Right. And... It's a talking wall-mounted bass. Right, you press a button and you press a button and start singing songs. Yeah, so he actually has it (laughs) responding to voice commands. Right, instead of singing "Take Me to the River," right, uh, things like that, it actually responds to voice command. Right, and it's a little off-putting because he gives it a command and then the the, says, "What's the weather?" And you know, the the fish responds. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anyway, and I uh, obviously uh, it fulfills all the same. They don't. They say that this is like a, a not a real product. It's it's under development. This guy was just like a hacker that put this thing together. Yeah. So it's kind of unclear as to what, how well this works, how it works, anything like that. But they said, uh, you know, it appears to work. So oh, so this may have been well, a little sleight of hand. I I I, I was just curious. Well, they do have an API. Yeah, and so uh, they, they were saying that it's unclear because there's no there's no microphone in in in, in picture or anything, and they only and he only shows one. The point is, basically, he put this video on YouTube, right? And it's showing the big math Billy Bass responding to a voice command, but no one knows if because there's not multiple voice commands. Wow, there's only one. Wow. So this could be kind of a forgery of this. Whoa, thing. Brian. Or a you know, I, I'm not. I don't want to. Oh. I don't want to set us up for ever the skeptic. Our 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 lawyers are advising us <laughs> to say that this could be real, but it could also be fake. As somebody was telling me, Oakley's in Mexico once said, "Right, is it is it real? Yes. Is it fake? Yes. Yeah. That's what that's that's what my um uh that's what my that's what the merchant was telling you exactly. Um. Uh, the thing that I like about this, that the Verge article makes an interesting point. While this is just a singing fish, yes, we might be seeing a lot more of these things because APIs mm-hmm. with uh, voice command stuff. Basically, the uh, you know the Alexa API was opened up 
uh, when in the last few months, and you're able to actually access it. So basically, you could take an, a a microphone, mm-hmm. something like a Raspberry Pi, which mm-hmm. is a little tiny cheap computer, mm-hmm. and have all the functionality that uh, Amazon's uh, assistant is is famous for. So they they also said Siri has uh, opened up as well. Oh, okay. So yeah. They have APIs. Excuse me. Siri has an API as well. So, so yeah. So we're, we're going to see more and more of this. This was the best implementation of this technology I've seen. By far. I used to love... My grandpa had one. Mm-hmm. Go over every time I could. Punch the button. Let me uh, let me tell you, Glenn. What would be a better implementation of this? And I have a statement to make here. Oh, okay. Um, from the uh, 2001 Space Odyssey... Um, how nine thousand, right? Yep. yep. So you make a little wall-mounted how, mm-hmm. except it's Alexa. That would be awesome. That would be way better than the fish example. It would be way cooler. Uh, but yes. Anyway, so I- maybe I maybe I can get on that path. I don't know. Wow, that would be that would be something. That would be something. That would be something. Uh, something. <laughs> something to work on. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, that was interesting. Thank you very much to uh, On Your Keister. On Your Keister. For posting a great tag. Uh, next up, Glenn, we have a couple of mooses. That's right. <laughs> uh, and this was posted by The Moose. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Um, hmm. two, this is called uh, Two Moose. I guess that's the plural of Moose. Moose-eye? Mice. No. Mooses? Two moose in Alaska found frozen together, locked in battle to the death. And uh, this is a story from the Star Tribune. And uh, this is about uh, a guy that just happened to be taking a stroll out in the Alaskan wilderness. Mm -hmm. And he happened upon something in the frozen river Mm -hmm. that appeared to be the antlers of a of a moose Mm -hmm. um so he was obviously intrigued by this uh you know and got went to go take a closer look and he found that not only was there one moose there was two of them Mm -hmm. uh and it appeared they had both been basically frozen to death (laughs) in the river uh and so um he notified local authorities and uh they took pictures and all this stuff and uh Basically, the uh, the consensus on this story is that these two moose were locked in a battle for right. life or death, mm-hmm. um, and they or and they death said, and death. They said that basically these are these are two powerful animals. Yeah, and in the fall, they uh, they they compete to to uh, you know uh, the uh, continue their right the their kind. genetic. Yeah. Uh, uh, the call of the wild. The, the call of the wild happens. And when this happens, uh, the two strongest males compete. Mm-hmm. And uh, their competition is based on life or death, uh, brutally locking antlers, and uh, and sometimes fighting to death. And in this case, they both fought to the death. Right. Um, anyway, it turns out that the guy that actually found them, I believe, was a was he a minister? He he was a caretaker for a uh, church camp, a Bible camp, Bible camp. Okay, so he this is this is where it gets a little weird. Okay, yeah, this okay. So this caretaker for this Bible camp uh, was you know this is a cool find. It's a very interesting story. 
Uh, and a local uh, person that studies natural <laughs> wildlife and, and moose um, came to the conclusion that it was likely that uh, the two moose fought each other. One of them killed one of the other one right. by piercing its head, its brain. Right. And then that actually caused the other one to die because the, their their antlers are so tangled in this intricate web. Yeah. Right. That it pulled them into the river and therefore killed both of them. Right. Because the other one couldn't escape. Right. And so the caretaker of this <laughs> um, of this church. What was it? The caretaker? Uh, Bible camp. The caretaker of this Bible camp wanted to take the heads of the the moose to uh, have them oh. mounted and to tell a parable about uh, the perils of uh, fighting, I guess, uh, with each other. Huh. So... So a, they actually... Uh, they, 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 they took some saws... And they went and got the heads of the animals, and they left the rest of them. <laughs> and they were going to taxidermy mount the uh, the heads of these animals, uh, and then they would have a great story to tell after, um, yeah. after all was said and done. It says, you know you're up north when it says that um, uh, they left the carcasses, well, which some people in town were talking about using to feed uh, sled dog teams. Well, that's nice. Yeah, that's good so, use. Well, that's what I would use them for. I hear moose is very tasty, actually. Oh, I'm sure. It's moose great. steaks. Mm-hmm. I've made a few moose steaks in my life. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway, Glenn, that's that's uh, so that was the uh, the story of two moose in Alaska that got stuck frozen in a river. The best part is that they took chainsaws and just chopped off their heads, just lopped off the. Tell what? you what. Back in my day, you use every part of the moose. That's one hell of a parable. Let me <laughs> tell you. Is. We chainsawed off the moose's head so we could tell you this story. So gather around, kids. Yep. Gather around. Gather. It's going to be a long, hard winter. <laughs> Woo! All right. Uh, the tenants took a nosedive. Uh, anyway, okay. I probably shouldn't clap. Last up. Right. Our good buddy, Demon. Yes. Has posted, three L.A. men are suing Chipotle because they felt too full after finishing their burrito. Uh, Now, okay, so upon reading this, you're thinking, oh, this is onion. Uh, This would be a great onion story by itself. Uh, I've experienced this, Glenn. (laughs) I shouldn't disenfranchise you, Brian. Are you trying to bully me right now? I'm... Because I... I'm burrito shaming you. I felt... I'm burrito shaming you. I felt full (laughs) after eating at Chipotle. Anyway, that's the tell best the story. Part. That's tell the, the best story. part of eating yeah. All right, so this is a, this is a true story. I looked it up. Uh, this is real. The actual news really outlets real. Yeah. are reported on this. This okay. isn't fake news, people. Okay. Um, at least as far as I can tell. Okay. Um, so Chipotle <clears throat> has announced that they have a 300 calorie chorizo burrito. Um, 300 calories for the entire chorizo burrito. And the problem with that is that... Math. Math is the problem. That there aren't actually 300 calories. There's probably 300 calories in the rice and the tortilla. It's probably 300 calories in between the rice and the the tortilla. (laughs) Somewhere in there. In the air between the rice. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, in a bizarre twist, uh, 
So, okay. Basically, like, <laughs> really health-conscious people right. got this burrito. Right. Uh, and then, and, but, it's, so, okay. So, back, back to these guys that are actually suing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they went to Chipotle and they said, oh, sweet, 300-calorie burrito. They got the burrito and they said something. They were eating it, and however, and realized that something was wrong. <laughs> and they filed a complaint in the Los Angeles County Superior Court claiming that they felt excessively full and realized that the burrito couldn't have been just 300 calories after eating the entire thing. <laughs> this is the actual filing. So basically, the internet sniffed this out mm. um, way before these guys filed anything. Right. Because there's no... If, if, if you've ever looked at the nutritional information on, on Chipotle burrito... Right. You know that adding uh, lettuce will add 300 calories to... The burrito. So three plus five does not equal two. Right is basically what I'm. Yeah. Right. So um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see how this all turns out. This is still very new, still very fresh. Chipotle hasn't released anything about it. Yeah. Probably probably can't because of legal whatever. But there's there's two things going on here. Uh, first of all, uh, Chipotle. <laughs> it's been a rough year. There's a. It's been a rough year for Chipotle. But this this has always been something that's been on my mind with Chipotle for a long time, and that is that they're like a sheep in wolf's clothing. They are a wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> I'm like a sheep in wolf's clothing. Uh, they. What I'm trying to say is that uh, they have this healthy food kind of thing. They right. like preach and this mantra and mm-hmm. everything like that. But if you look at the calorie count on their stuff. Their calorie counts on their burritos are magnificently more calorie heavy than stuff on McDonald's menus, stuff on yeah. uh, you know Taco Bell's menus, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the, the 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 burritos that you actually show up there and make are so bad for you, like just from a calorie count thing. And you know, there's a lot of innuendo and back and forth on stuff or whatever. But a lot of people say that basically, you know. Watching calories is probably the most important thing you can do to maintain a healthy lifestyle and keeping a calorie limit within a certain right. range and all that stuff. <clears throat> right. And Chipotle would totally torpedo that if you <laughs> ate it a bunch. So if you look at that and also sodium counts, Chipotle stuff is like super sodium heavy. Oh, yeah. And uh, it tastes awesome. Oh, yeah. It tastes great. I oh, love it. Yeah. But it's not, again, it, it does not fall in with that kind of like healthy lifestyle. Well, Brian, it's locally sourced. Well, yeah, exactly. And then that'll kill you. So yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway, or uh, send you to the bathroom for a couple days straight. Right. Um, but so anyway, the so, so there's that. Uh, and I think that's what these guys are trying to drive at. But uh, what happened was, and I love this story, the, this particular story, because it basically says what happened probably was someone made an actual human error when they were writing that it was a 300 calories. It's supposed to probably say something like... 3,000? Well, <laughs> it's supposed to probably say something like 600 calories or 700 calories or, or 500 calories. the chorizo itself is 300 calories. Yeah, exactly. Or Yeah, and there's some yeah. kind of miscommunication that's going on there. I honestly don't think that Chipotle was really trying to pass this off as a 300-calorie thing. I think somebody made an honest mistake and and mislabeled something or there was a misunderstanding about something. And now it's led to a lawsuit um, because these guys felt too full. Let me tell you something. If you show up at a Chipotle, and even if the sign says 300 calories, and you buy the damn burrito, and you get le- you know you get beans, rice, cheese chorizo and a tortilla (laughs) and you think it's going to be 300 calories you sir 
are the one at fault here. That's right. Not Chipotle. Because they made a mistake maybe in labeling this stuff. That might be true. But you should not sue people for making a mistake when it's clear that you're smart enough to know right. that that's not the case. And it's in your benefit. <laughs> so, Brian, you, along with many other gentleman members, had that same thought. Okay. That's what I love about our community, Brian, right. is that... They're going to weigh in on it. They didn't They didn't cotton to these guys. Yeah, we're not going to cotton on to this. And, um, one one, one uh, really interesting comment, and I was thinking this too when I read the court... <laughs> Uh, you know, paperwork is that right. Mark Blemish says first, uh, how do you prove in a court of law that you felt too full? <laughs> because that, that's that was the actual filing. That's a great, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, how do you, yeah, how do you address that? So anyway, um, that that's a good that's a good point. That, that is a very good point. How do you empirically right. prove? Maybe if you had an MTS computer there to tell him. Yeah, have the have the computer eat the burrito before you do exactly, and give a, give an assessment. I need two burritos, please. Yes, <laughs> one, one for, for my one for me and one, one for my computer. Going <laughs> <laughs> to test this three hundred calorie hypothesis. Uh, what a weird world we live in, Brian. It is. Well, I hope that look Chipotle's been under fire all year. Oh, all right, and rightly so. Here's the thing, like I. I get I get where they're coming from on the whole like healthy food thing and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, people have to take responsibility for learning about their own food that they're going to consume and uh, doing that in a responsible way, and right. that's that individual's responsibility and not what some sign says at the at the place. If he looked up their actual nutrition nutrition information on their website, he would clearly find that that would not be true. Uh, based on their own, mm-hmm. uh, based on their own uh, information, mm-hmm. and it's pretty obvious from common sense. This is like uh, ordering a coffee from McDonald's and soon for being too hot. It really is. Yeah, you. you it's that, even worse, actually, because I mean, I could see like if it's just too darn like hot for something. Hot. Yeah, 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 it's like you're gonna. I mean, they serve it hot. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. what is coffee? Right. What do you want? You want cold coffee? If it's a billion degrees, yeah. That's the thing. Like, do yeah. I want? <laughs> Yeah, and they advertise it's hot but coffee. it's like, but yeah, that's a great analogy. But uh, you know the the burrito. L- let's be honest here. Are you foolhardy enough to think that a Chipotle burrito is l- three hundred calories? Man, come on. What is three hundred? What I was trying to think. What is three hundred? Ca- um, I I know. Okay, I think um, I think one of these one of these cookie no, stouts is seriously. They had a. Uh, I think it's one hundred and sixty calories for mm-hmm. one of these beers. So right. two liquid beers. Yep. Two of those. Or an entire burrito. Yeah, that's pretty obvious when you think about it. Anyway. This society of litigiousness. It's crazy. Oh, beyond crazy. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, that leads us to our toast for this week. So we just talked about some negative stuff. Let's talk right. about some positive stuff. That's right. I'm excited about this toast. I was... Um, this, is, this is something I found out about this past weekend just by chance. I was watching SportsCenter... Uh, and the college game day crew were mm. hanging out at Western Michigan University over in Kalamazoo, Michigan, mm. uh, for the first time. Never been to Kalamazoo, Michigan before, uh, but they were doing their uh, college game day show from there. And so I, I, you <laughs> know, I always like to catch college game day, and I was intri- I was intrigued. Saturday, Saturday, I was yes. intrigued by why they're in Kalamazoo, Michigan for 
uh, college game day. Well, uh, there is a team over there called the Western Michigan Broncos, and they happen to be one of only two Division One football teams that are undefeated at this point in time in the season. Yes. And one of them is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yes. And uh, which people are probably familiar with. Yes. And one of them is the Western Michigan Broncos. Hmm. So uh, I, I was intrigued by this, and I had to go uh, find out more about this. And it turns out that uh, Western Michigan Broncos have a head coach named P.J. Fleck, and this guy is a 35-year-old, uh, mile-a-minute uh bottle of enthusiasm as a head coach he became head coach four years ago took over a program he won one game then one or two games and now they're undefeated uh going into their season finale against toledo could go either way uh but they're they're gunning for a new year's six bowl wait 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 wait. so just to be clear nobody's considering them as a playoff team no they're 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 not gonna they're too far away from the playoff they have to be in order to get like so, okay, it's how this works is when you're outside of the Power Five conferences, uh, you have to have a certain amount of conditions that you meet in order to get to that level. Yeah, and they, them, and the Boise State Broncos are the two people from outside of the Power Five that are still in contention to make a New Year's Six Day bowl game. That will be a bowl game against somebody into you know. Yeah, n- not in the playoff. They're not going to be in the playoff, right, right, but a right, New right. Year's bowl game, right? Uh, is is the premium bowl games that yeah. that get played? They're not yeah. going to be in the playoff. Uh, I mean, unless something crazy happened, they they're not going to make the playoff. <laughs> but uh, they they probably are going to make a New Year's Six bowl if they can beat out Boise State and continue, if they if they win out, they have a good chance to be in a New Year's Six bowl. So wow. Uh, anyway, that's pretty impressive. Point is, uh, Western Michigan going from not having any kind of football culture. I don't want to paint him with a broad brush here, but as I understood it, going into this season, no one had really heard of Western Michigan to then be going undefeated. A directional school. Um, and uh, to, to all of a sudden have this great culture. Uh, and, and so I watched this this thing about the, the head coach, P.J. Fleck. He's 35 years old. He's been the head coach for the last four years. So young head coach. Uh, and I checked it out, and uh, I was really taken by how enthusiastic this guy was. And I want to encourage people out there, if you haven't seen this guy, go look up stuff on sport uh, on ESPN about the speeches that this guy gives before games and during games. After games. He has these interesting uh, anecdotes and speeches and ways of talking that, that are very intriguing. He talks about having, uh, like, when he's saying goodbye to his team for the evening. He says, have an elite night. Not Whoa. have a good night, not have a... Okay, you know, not have a great night. Have an elite night. Okay? Wow. Have an elite night. Okay, that's a saying. I think I will. Right. Uh, and his biggest one, his most important one, the one that he always comes back to, and their whole thing is based on this, is row the boat. <laughs> row the boat. That's what that, that's what it, that's Gently what, down the stream? Well, uh, something like that. It's based on, uh, he, he says, in his own words, it's based on, uh, you know, Rowing the boat, the oar is your energy and the enthusiasm you bring to what you do. The boat is the sacrifice that you're going to make, what you're going to build to, to, to get to your goal. And the fact that you're rowing it is the fact that you're, you're backwards, not knowing what's coming you know, in the future, but you can see in the past. 
Wow. And you're moving towards something that you're not sure what the thing is, but all you can control is rowing that boat every day. <laughs> and that's what he's talking about. That's pretty awesome. It's, it's great. It's a, it's a great philosophy. <clears throat> and he's all about it. He's all char- super charged up on it. So anyway... I, I saw I saw it and I was like, wow, this is really. I mean, I watch a lot of college football, a lot, a lot of coaches, and uh, this guy's he's off the charts on his enthusiasm level. You know what he's done as a head coach and what uh, what he's going to do and and all those things. So he's not going to stay there for very long. He's going to be somewhere. He's going to be yeah. He's probably going to be someplace else next year. And I think they're all kind of anticipating that. I mean, he's undefeated. He's one of those guys that every, everybody with the big he's head the hot coaching, thing. yeah, with the big head coaching openings out there, he's gonna get he's gonna get looks at. I mean, he's he, you know Texas I hear is gonna be looking for could a coach. Be, could be he could be up there. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe he, maybe he will come back to Western Michigan next year. I don't know. The point is that this guy is. Uh, I was super impressed with with just if you haven't seen any videos of this guy, if you haven't checked out any of his Sports Center stuff he's done or any of the game day stuff he's done, they've they've been interviewing him all year because he he's un, he's been undefeated this whole time, and him and Alabama are the only two places. So, wow. Uh, there's a lot of content out there on the you know interviewing this guy, and and uh, uh, it's 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 really pretty impressive. Um, and I would highly encourage people to go out there and like listen to this guy talk, listen to some of his pregame speeches. They are insane and awesome. Like this guy <laughs> seems like certifiably insane, but so, I mean, like the perfect, but the players love him. Yeah. Football. Oh, the players. Yeah. They love yeah. this stuff. Yeah. They just, he, he gives every, you know, before they run out there, he gives every speech. Wow. And gets them ready to go. Let me ask you this, Brian. So are his motivational speeches better than one coach Taylor? On uh, Friday Night Lights, that would be tough. I would be, I would actually be, not surprised if he because they one of the questions the sports uh, ESPN asked him was where do you get your uh, speeches from, and he said he'll you know he'll read a book or watch a movie and get you know get ideas and and that's where they come from. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a uh, if there's a Coach T uh, speech in there somewhere. That's right. So anyway, hey, why not? No need to reinvent the wheel. No need. No need. Exactly. Anyway, uh, so P.J. Fleck and the Western Michigan Broncos. Broncos. P.J. Fleck and the Fleck Tones? Yeah. A toast. A th- yeah. To P.J. To P.J. and the Broncos. <laughs> Good band name. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, well, Lynn. Well, that, uh, that means it's time for the... Um, Hot and Buddy Topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, uh, post-election, post-apocalypse. Yes, post-apocalyptic society. Um, it was a rough election, brutal election on both sides. Yes. And uh, one of the interesting things that's come out of this uh, from a tech perspective mm. is the fact that, um, you know, the, the convergence of social media and people's consumption of news. Yes. And the fact that there are news outlets out there that create fake news stories intentionally because people will consume them so readily on social media and what that really means during the election cycle. Right. Right. And people are saying that this is like a really big issue with the recent election. And at first, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook uh, came out and said, ah, no, it was no big deal. It was no big deal. 
And he said that there's 99% yeah. of the stories were, were not fake. Right, exactly. But then it turns out that, well, maybe that not, you know, uh, with an asterisk. Yeah. Um, so... <sighs> Uh, well, anyway. How do you what do you what do you define as fake? Is the thing well? So that that's yeah. that's where mm-hmm. he was able to say ninety nine percent of the stories weren't fake, but, right? But yeah, but they're basically talking about stuff like when you're talking about fake news stuff that when you read the headline seems completely crazy. Like right, uh, you know, one of the examples we talked about earlier right. was uh, the Pope endorsing Donald Trump, right? You know, which was why would that doesn't make any sense? But that was a popular news story that right that. You know, went around. Um, I, I saw one with uh, Colin Powell. No, Colin Powell, Denzel Washington, right? Also endorsed with the pump, <laughs> with the Pope, <laughs> pump, with the Pope endorsed uh, Donald Trump. Yes, um, <clears throat> all things not real, right? So anyway, there's a lot but on both sides. There's a lot, there's a lot, I don't know what the ones were for Hillary, but there's you know tons of them. You yeah, know, whatever. Uh, but the point is, like, if you were, like, following people in your stream of and Facebook, you would see all kinds of stories that might have been true. Some of them might have been true. Some of them might have been completely made up. And some of them were probably in between, which is, like, the whole mm-hmm. yellow journalism thing where it's, like... Right. Sensationalized. Very sensationalized. Uh, the media article might have been kind of true. Inflammatory article right. that would start... That, you know... And so it's this whole thing where people are really up in arms about their party and what they believe and all this stuff. And they hit share and share and share on all their stuff right. on Facebook to try to get that Like if you're a patriot. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so anyway, so yeah. that, it's been an interesting uh, thing to come out of the, uh, the election is like, how do you combat fake news? Is fake news really a problem? Um, so I don't know. it's interesting. Um yeah, how do you combat something? I mean, because there's a blurry line between, okay, this is actually untrue. Right. Or this is, well, this is kind of true, but they've sensationalized it. Or right. it's, you know, yellow journalism like we were talking mm-hmm. about. You have that. You have that dynamic. And then you have the dynamic of your... Um, I was talking to a local professor of uh, journalism, actually, at one of the colleges here mm. I'm friends with. Yeah. And he was saying it's been really interesting because of the fake news stuff. Yeah. And how, you know... He said it's really interesting because on Facebook, your browsing habits dictate what's in the dictate stream. what you see. Right, um, and I can't tell you how many times, and people don't understand this. Right, I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, family members or you know, people just say, "Hey, did you see what I posted on Facebook?" Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I. Well, first of all, I don't get on Facebook very often. But when I do, right. I, there's no. You could have posted it like. Two minutes ago, while I'm browsing, and they're not going to show it to me because for whatever reason, right? Yeah. Um, and then they're like, "Well, why didn't you see it? Right. I just posted." And I'm like, "Well, I they don't show that's you everything. Not how it works." Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is always a fun conversation to have because right. they just don't. I shouldn't say that. Pe- people, it's a hard concept to grasp that right. something you post may not be seen by people who follow you. Anyway, right. so you have that. Right. You have the filter thing, and then you have um, just. I don't know the, the 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 blurry aspect of I don't know. It's just yeah, it's, it's just hard you, playing into people's emotions. Basically, is mm-hmm. is the the key component. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, gentleman member Demon, yeah, uh, what prompted this? I think probably Brian. Yeah, this is your it was a really good article that Demon posted about just these two dudes that were not right wing, you know, Republican guys. 
but realized they could make a lot of money by <laughs> having a site that was all about right-wing Republican yeah, stuff yeah. and just really sen- sensationalized headlines. And it was just like, these two dudes would sit there on a Friday night and just be sitting there just writing articles over and over just about you know really sensationalist stuff because they knew it would just get people so riled up and angry that it would bring so much traffic and more Facebook likes comments, and shares. comments and all this stuff. It's like this big machine, and they didn't actually believe any of this stuff. They were just like, well, this will bring us the most amount of anger, and so let's post this stuff, right. you know? Uh, and so that, that, that whole concept is pretty crazy, uh, but it makes sense. I mean, whatever people oh are passionate gosh. about, are, is it really going to you know, drive them crazy? Um, and these guys even said, they said, we're the new yellow journalists. Like, yeah. we're, we're, we're happy to be that because yeah. we're making a crap, on crap load of money. Yeah. Uh, obscene amount of money for... And basically, they just, like, ran the worst ads possible to make the most amount of money yeah. from, from stuff. Uh, but I, I think... I think it's interesting because Facebook kind of like at first said, oh, this isn't a problem, you know, or whatever. Right. Uh, which, you know, I think what they were trying to, I think what they were getting at there was like, this is going to be too hard of a problem for us to address. Because I know like, <clears throat> this is a terrible example, this is like comparing us to Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if somebody posted something on our site that was like egregiously fake, you know, it was like this fake news story about yeah. this thing. Me and Glenn like watch the stuff personally. And right. We, like see stuff that people post. I'm like, well, that's not gonna, yeah. we can't have that, you know. No we're, we're cool about, like, both sides of stuff and everything like that, but if it's, like, a fake news story that's just crappy, we're just right. gonna nix it off our site in, like, two seconds. So. Well, and, and to be fair, it's not when a genuine user posts something, yeah. it's typically when somebody from their own website is posting this. Right. Yeah, crap. Right. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, so anyway, I think what Facebook was trying to get at was like, we don't have the tools available to really like distinguish what fake news is. Right. And at their scale. Ha- yeah. I think what happened was like some of the engineers were like, well, we could, you know, we have some ideas about how we could address this. And they was like, well, actually, maybe fake news is kind of a problem. <laughs> so. Yeah. It was interesting. After the election, um, my wife had a conversation with someone, you know, just about the election, the yeah. outcome and the results mm-hmm. and everything. And this person's pretty politically uh, opinionated, yeah. Um, but said she hadn't been posting anything on right. Facebook because she didn't realize that some of the stuff she might have been posting was fake, right? Like she had no idea, right? And so she's like, hasn't she just didn't know who to believe anymore, and isn't posting anything because right. she doesn't understand what's real and what's not. Yeah, it's a problem. Like it it's is a problem. I that, this is why I hate Mark Zuckerberg. That's why I hate this dude. Uh, because uh, it's obviously a problem. It's like glaringly obviously a problem. Right. You, as a person that is in charge of this huge media platform, the biggest ever. You want the stuff that appears in people's news, feed, news feeds to be real news, not fake news. It, it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. It has to be trustable. It has to be real. That's that, that that's obvious, right? And the fact that it came out as well, it's not that big of a deal, right? Not that huge of a problem. He was trying to just say we don't really know how to address this, right? And it's this really big story, and we want to avoid this PR, you know, kerfluffle right now. So we're just going to say it's not that big of a deal. Somebody, some some PR person got in his ear and was like, "You got to just say this is that big." Of a you got to. 
You gotta just say it's yeah. They give him some wrong information. Here's too. some statistics to like right. to talk about when these people right. bring this up. Of all of the entire posts on Facebook, ninety nine percent of them well weren't fake. Yeah. <laughs> and that's great. It's like ninety nine percent uptime. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That that's awesome. Except your website's gonna be down, you know, an hours. hour a day. Yeah. You know? Thirty hours a month. Yeah. So not very good at that point. Um and, and you know, Ninety nine percent of the the stories might have been true, but then the point one percent might have been shared, you know, however many times. Right. And what what are we talking about here? You know right. What I mean? So uh, it's just a I don't know numbers lie. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to kind of sidestep the issue. But as the CEO of the biggest social network in the country in the world, uh, you might want to acknowledge that having a considerable amount of fake news on your site during an election cycle is a serious problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I I think it's a big I think it's a big problem. I think that, you know, there's not gonna be there there probably isn't a great tech way to address it. No. Uh other than just human I mean you have to have humans it being able to interpret like seeing seeing patterns and what's getting shared and how much sites and, and blackballing you know, you have to throw sites into purgatory if they're sharing you know they're using that to to game the system, basically. You know what I mean from from the social standpoint. So. It's also not not to belabor this, but it's also interesting too. Um, before this all went down, um, even in the past year, Facebook has made a concerted effort to supposedly limit um, clickbait stuff. <laughs> so yeah, th- they've had a war. Basically, they've had a war on people yeah. who market stuff. Right. Aggressively, so well, you know you won't a, believe what happened in page yeah. two when or they, you know, take this slide. It, they yeah. try to take advantage of the ecosystem of Facebook, right? The way that it's set up. I was reading about this too because of the uh, this particular video series called Tasty, which was like yeah. a BuzzFeed yep. thing where they were. And I actually shared some of this stuff to gentlemen before I realized kind of what was going on because it was kind of interesting and cool yeah. or whatever. But the whole point was that they were taking they, they realized that having autoplay on videos if they could like create a very short cooking video in like thirty seconds, that it would be virally I mean it would like the like the chance of it being viral would be huge because it was such a people would automatically see it because on Facebook they automatically show the video. So if they made something real quick yep. as a recipe thing, yep. it would it would be huge, and they were one hundred percent right, and it totally killed. And I, it was so like important on Facebook. I would see it on YouTube and their trending stuff. Yeah, because sheerly because of Facebook, um, auto playing the video basically. Yeah. So uh, well done, Buzzfeed, on that. But oh yeah. But anyway, there's yeah, so many knockoffs now, <laughs> which is crazy. Like yeah, like, Facebook has to constantly play cat and mouse with all these right. different. People are trying to take advantage of whatever they're implementing. It's a, it's an interesting. I don't know. There's a lot of aspects of this that are interesting. Facebook's trying to do this to do certain things with their ads to make money, and yeah. then that they're responding in different ways and all this stuff. So, yeah, it's it's. I weird. would. I, my recommendation would be to get all of your news from Gentleman. Yep. Because we are we 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 monitor that stuff personally. Diligent. Uh, a human being watches it. Two human beings. Two human beings. At least. And we will make sure that uh, it is all on the up and up. Fake news, man. Fake news. 
And that's what uh, gentleman is the uh, gentleman is the key to avoiding that whole situation. That's right. Uh, anyway, okay, well, we that, that's the consensus. Everybody that's on Facebook should quit Facebook and join Gentleman. Give us twenty four hours heads up. Uh, that'd be great yep. if you could do that. If that so be, we could kind of beef could, up the servers, right? We could change and run and hide, stuff and then uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Glenn. All right. Well, that means it's time for the questions from the Gentleman Mailbag, the final segment of the Gentleman Podcast. And uh, we had a few questions to address this time, uh, and I posted this to the uh, uh, the parlor on gentlemen, and we had a few uh, few questions come in. And right. uh, first one comes in from Trig Joe, our good buddy Trig Joe. Uh, he he asks, "You've seen the first episode of the Grand Tour? Is it worth persevering?" And I get what you're saying, Trig Joe. I do. I really understand where you're coming from. It was a little rough. The first the first. There were some good parts and some low parts and some in-between parts, and it was a little rough. <laughs> there were parts in between. I feel like they're trying. I feel like the the guys are trying to to get their footing on a new. They basically have a, a bigger budget, and they're trying to figure out what some new concepts yeah. and having different writers and the whole gamut of things. And so they, you're saying there's growing pains. They, they, they did some stuff that worked, and they did some stuff that didn't work. And the the key to life is being able to <laughs> failure is growth. Yes, it is. So we uh, are. We I, I are would say I would say True Joe. Let's let's keep the faith. Let's keep on uh, rowing the boat. And um, I, I would say hang in there. And and I, I think I think uh, the Grand Tour will be worth it. So um, so yeah, I would say yes. Keep persevering. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be positive on this. I'm gonna believe that that they're gonna get it turned around because I think they will, and I think they have, I think their best episodes are ahead of them. So the best is yet to come. Absolutely, you heard it here first, Brian McKinney. Uh, second of all, uh, another question we had was uh, we we were reviewing some other stuff and we saw that uh, Chet Manley posted a question uh, to the parlor that was unrelated to the question of the gentleman mailbag but it was the question was what is your favorite post thanksgiving movie yes uh that's a great question i'm a big holiday movie buff and so uh it's a great question so glenn what, what would your uh, favorite post thanksgiving holiday movie be like say you're just wrapping up thanksgiving dinner everybody kind of sits down after a meal for for a thanksgiving mm-hmm. you know something they're watching something so what's your go-to on that well, actually, in the past 10 years, basically ever since I've known my wife, it's been football because her family watches lots of football. The NFL football games that are going on. The NFL football games, yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of the traditional thing. Yeah. It's always and on. actually, we always watch that when I was a kid, too. But it always seemed like Thanksgiving evening mm-hmm. um, was uh, we, where I grew up, we didn't have cable and we didn't have, we had like, I don't know seven channels or something like that so okay. you're kind of limited what you but but hey, but thanksgiving embrace your limitations oh man yeah it, it was it was beautiful so we uh pbs man no uh i did watch a lot of pbs but um the, it seemed i don't know if it was the major networks or whatever but they always seem to show it's a wonderful life right like Back in the, in the day yeah uh i love that movie yeah it's um, a great movie yeah it's one of the few movies that I that I enjoy watching that could potentially make me cry. Yeah, um, I'm not. I don't like movies that intentionally try to pull the heartstrings. Right. But that one gets me. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good movie. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a wonderful life. Um, but full disclosure, 
uh, uh, Chet Manley, I also, in that thread, I also revealed that he was asking about Thanksgiving traditions. And uh, my brother and I, just real quick here, Brian, I thought you should know this. My brother I and should, I, yeah. My brother and I have a tradition where we try to um, eat as many rolls as possible. I've, yeah, you've mentioned Maybe we've before. talked about this before on the we, podcast. We, we, we've talked about the rolls thing. Yeah. We have, we have a contest. And then we go and try to play pickup basketball. And it is terrible and hilarious. Because you're both like doubled over. And oh, it's so them. bad. Because um, yeah. you can't move, you can't do anything. Right. Uh, my brother usually wins. Um, but I was telling Chet in this thread that yeah. the the reason we do that, I was actually realizing this as I was typing this all out that the the because I was trying to think why do we do this <laughs> we do it to spite my mom it's oh. it's because she made a we, we ate all these rolls and she got you know and, right uh, we turned this into a contest a roll anything and she's like I can't believe you take my you know and like yeah and so now of course we have to do it because right. you know she kind of made a big deal about right it. Yeah. and so then we started we went and played basketball. Um, and uh, same same sort of deal. She makes comments about it, so of course we do it now. To, mm-hmm. but it's funny because she she likes watching us make fools of herself. It's a weird psychological. Yeah. So maybe she baited you into it. She might have. She's yeah. an evil genius. I'll right. tell you right now. I you know uh, she's one be... step ahead of me. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe she was a mastermind of the whole thing the whole time. It was. I didn't know. But yeah, the 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 uh, the bracket roll challenge is uh, wow. Yeah, basket roll, basket roll, basket roll challenge. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Uh, anyway, that has nothing to do with movies. I thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, well, that's important. Uh, having traditions like that's important. I don't have a like particular tradition like that for Thanksgiving, so I don't have anything like that. But uh, as far as movies go, um, a couple ideas. Hmm. Now, this this was kind of hard to narrow down because it really depends on the on the context of where you're at. Like, uh, it depends on where your family is. Like, where are you going? To right. Go? Because you're you're talking about maybe Thanksgiving afternoon is right. maybe it's your aunt's house when you're growing up, or maybe it's you know after that it's your sister's place when you're getting older, or maybe it's your place mm-hmm. later on mm-hmm. where you're in complete control of what movie you you show. And it, are there kids around? Are there not? You know, like, there's yeah. all these. Uh, but I feel like there's some there's a few universal ones that I think will shine through. Um, and the ones that really like came to mind immediately was like any Pixar movie. Okay. Basically, yeah, I uh, would be a good Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, um, very kind of like kid friendly, but also There's like humor in there for adults. Uh, you know, adults get a kick out of them. Yeah, and uh, it's a very kind of family oriented movie. Any family oriented mm-hmm. is is important. I think um, if I had one to pick for mm-hmm. myself, and it was no kids, it was just like me. <laughs> And a glass of bourbon, a glass of bourbon <laughs> on Thanksgiving afternoon after I'd just eaten a big meal. Oh, yeah, uh, it would be the nightmare before Christmas. Oh, and the reason why I would choose that one is because it's very kind of like in between Halloween and in between Christmas, and you're kind of like getting into Christmas time and you're getting ready to like go put up your Christmas decorations yep. and all that stuff. And so it's again, it walks that line in between you know Halloween and uh and christmas very nice and so it kind of like a gateway to uh get you out of the the halloween thanksgiving yeah october november into christmas um that would be my my favorite pick um, nice but another classic one that is probably considered the quintessential uh, Thanksgiving movie is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, it's a great one. Um, which is centered around Thanksgiving uh, and, and and getting home for it. And 
So that that would probably. I mean, I would Great think a movie. lot of people would. I forgot about that. One. Would gravitate towards that as being the the go to. You know, as an adult kind of film to right. watch. Um, but uh, you know, I and I and I do that. That's a great film, and it's great. I don't. That's not what I bust out on my Thanksgiving afternoon. You know, I have a friend. Um, you brought this up. Oh yeah, okay. I had to look it up to make sure the title was right. Um, she has a tradition that uh, where she always watches Home for the Holidays. Okay. Uh, it's Robert Downey Jr. Uh, okay. Uh, back when before he was like this yeah. Robert Downey Jr. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is like depressing and slow. It was the worst. I have no idea why she watches this. Have you ever seen this movie? No. I think it's about coming up for Thanksgiving and everybody's pissed off. I just you know, (laughs) Thanksgiving's hard because I could come up with a bunch of Christmas movies that I would say yeah, these are great Christmas movies, but it's not quite Christmas yet, right? And uh, so, anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, we got that figured out. Okay. Well, so this is the uh, this is the fifth anniversary today. That's right. Is As the, you were listening to this, Friday is, is the fifth anniversary of when we sat down on a couch and wrote the initial code for gentleman.com. Five years ago, to this Five day, gentleman was not a not but a twinkle in a our twinkle eye. in our eyes, and uh, here we are today. Here we are today. And so, uh, anyway, it's a very special uh, Gentleman podcast as this uh, the five-year anniversary of Gentleman. So. That's right. And and sadly, um, today, we usually have a um, tradition. We get together and yeah. we have a hack day in, right. in honor of Gentleman, which is right. a Black Friday hack day. Right. Um, but sadly, this, black this hack year... Day. Black Hack Day. Right. Black Hack Day. Mm-hmm. So I like to refer to it. But sadly, this year, we, uh, scheduling and people and t- family in town and everything, it's not going to happen. But yeah. we'll, we'll have one anyway at right. some point in the near future. Right. And, um, yeah. Five years. Can you believe it? It's crazy. It's, it is, it's absolutely crazy how time flies. My, I'll never forget. Because my daughter was my daughter was almost six. So she was like nine months or something like that when we mm-hmm. first started. So I always have that reference point, reference right, point of right. like, like right, my right, oldest right. daughter yeah. is right about... The same age as gentlemen, right? It's just, yeah, crazy. Yeah, gentlemen's in kindergarten. Yeah, true. <laughs> just growing up, you know. Yeah, uh, you don't have to change diapers anymore, which is good. Yeah, it's still, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. So five years, big time, man. We just had the hundredth episode. We have five years of the gentle, of gentleman dot com. It's been milestones milestones left and right that's right many more to come okay Glenn well um, next time we talk no more milestones it's all moving forward yes into the future well backwards we're rowing Back backwards to the future we're rowing backwards we Row- don't know what the future's gonna hold no. but we're just rowing but we got our oars we got our oars that's the important <laughs> part uh, okay Glenn well I'm Brian McKinney I'm Liz Sansbury Uh, Thanks for listening to the Gentleman Podcast, episode number 102. We'll see you in two weeks for episode 103. Adios, muchachos.